You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The sermon that I'm going to preach is a sermon that I try and preach once a year, and I found while looking at things that I haven't preached it this year, as we're getting close to it, and it's actually a sermon that I preached before I was even a pastor here. The first sermon that I ever preached here was this sermon. And it's a very special sermon to me. It's a very special teaching to me um, because my mentor, who's in heaven now, uh, taught this to me. My pastor, who's still on earth, his son, taught this to me as well. And I get to preach to you 52 times a year, one Sunday every month. And I make it a priority to make sure that this sermon is preached at least once a year because I feel like it's a very important one for us us to remember, listen, and understand what it is. And the title of the sermon is called The Blessing of Abraham. The Blessing of Abraham. Now that sounds like a big theological kind of spiritual thing that's out there, but let's talk about it Today, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and this is where we see it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Thank you, God, for that right there. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Whether you like it or not, you are a Gentile. If you're not of the Jewish faith or descent, you are a Gentile, which means you get to eat all the bacon and eat all the shrimp, all the ham that is available to you, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon, let's make it personal today, upon you. And why does it become upon you? Because you are in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit in faith. Praise God. The Apostle Paul had this revelation specifically about Abraham, that he writes about over and over and over again. You can read about it in Romans, Romans 4, you can see it here in Galatians, that he just can't get over the interaction that God had with Abraham and the way that God and Abraham interacted and the things that God did to Abraham, how he made it available to us. So there's two vital things that we have to understand to receive the blessing of Abraham. What It cost God to give us the blessing of Abraham, and two, how we receive it, what it cost to give it. In verse 13, the scripture is very clear that Jesus had to die. Jesus had to shed his blood. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, and how did he do that? By becoming a curse for us. And how did he become a curse for us is based off of a, a teaching or a law that is found in Deuteronomy in the little parentheses says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So he became a curse so that we could become blessed. The great exchange, we've talked about it before. There are great exchanges that Jesus did on the cross. And it's found in the scriptures where it says in 2 Corinthians, He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, the great exchange. He became sin, so we became righteous. It says in the Scriptures that he became sickness, so that we could be made whole. Another great exchange. 
In the scripture, it says, he became a son of man so that we could become sons of God. Another great exchange. It says in the scriptures that he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. He became poor and we became rich. Another great exchange. And the last great exchange is found in this scripture right here. He became a curse so that we could become blessed. Praise God. This beautiful exchange that Jesus took on all the bad and then gave us all his good. Thank you, Father. What a great thanksgiving to be thankful for. He took all my sin. He took all my poverty. He took all my sickness. He took all the curse. He took all of that. And that would have been good enough if God would have just taken those things from me and let me live my life. But that's not what God did because God is an abundant God and he didn't just give, he didn't just take something away, he also gave something to you. And what he gave you was righteousness, what he gave you was blessing, what he gave you was healing, what he gave you was the ability to become a son of his and to be made whole. What did it cost God to give it? It cost him his son to die cost Jesus his life for this blessing to be bestowed on you and me, the Gentiles. If this blessing cost the Son of God his life, then it beckons us, I would say it demands us to study what this blessing is and how can we receive it, how can we walk in it, how can we operate in it. If the blessing of Abraham was given to us solely after Jesus died on the cross, then that's a pretty important blessing that I would like to know more about. So then the next question is, I'm glad that the blessing is out there, but how do I receive it? I'm glad you asked, and I'm glad that the Scripture answers it for us. In verse 14, it says, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Number one, in Christ Jesus. So therefore, you have to be in Christ. Believe on him, the gospel message, that Christ died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. If you're believing that and confessing that, you are in Christ. And here's the answer, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How do you receive it? By simply believing. There's not an amount of money that you can give. There's not an amount of Sundays you can sit in that seat and then the angel's going to show up and just magically give you the blessing of Abraham. He says the only qualification that you need to receive the blessing of Abraham is to be just like Abraham and believe that it is what it is. How do we do faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. You're hearing the Word of God today, which is raising and increasing your faith. In Romans chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, it says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law. It, he wasn't going to be able to obtain this blessing of Abraham through the Old Covenant, because the Old Covenant wasn't even established yet when God and Abram were having this covenant connection, so it couldn't be obtained through the law. Praise God. But how is that promise obtained? Through the righteousness of faith, verse 14. 
For if those who are of the law are heirs, so if you can only get this blessing, this promise of God, this experience with Christ through obeying the law, then look, if then statements are happening in this scripture, if this happens, then this happens. If you can only be receiving the promise through the law, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. So there is nothing that you can do, there is nothing that you can work for, there is nothing that you can pay, there is nothing that you can do to get this promise. There is no law that you can follow. The only thing that you can do, the way the Scripture is writing it, is believe by faith. Not happy yet. We'll get there. Let's search it out and see what the blessing of Abraham is. We've talked about it. Paul referenced it, but what exactly is the blessing of Abraham? We're going to find it all the way back in Genesis chapter 14, and here is where we see God speaking through the priest of Melchizedek, which is a type and shadow of Christ. You can read about it in Hebrews 7 as well. Genesis 14, verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine. Look at the moment of the blessing of Abraham about to be displayed to Abram. And the first thing we see is communion, bread and wine, right on the beginning part of the blessing. His body was broken for you. His blood was poured out for the new covenant. And because of bread and wine being there, there was a blessing that was released when Jesus died on the cross. And before that, all the way back in time in history, we see bread and wine being brought out. For he was the priest of God most high. Here it is. Hold on to your seat. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. And he blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And the immediate response of Abraham after he received that blessing was to give. This is the first time that tithe was even mentioned in the Bible where he gave a tenth of the spoils. So before the blessing is introduced, the type and shadow of Jesus is on the scene, Melchizedek, and he's offering bread and wine. He's offering communion to Abram. And as soon as the blessing is received and spoken, the immediate response of Abram is to give. He said, well, God, you've given me this. The only thing I can do is give back to you what you've just blessed me. And he gave him a tithe of all. So it's very important, this blessing that we're seeing in Genesis chapter 14. And we can see three key components to the blessing of Abraham for our lives. Number one is going to be elevation. Blessed be Abram of God most high. Number two is going to be possession possessor of heaven and earth. And the number three, or the third blessing of this blessing of Abraham is dominion, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, this blessing is similar to God's plan from the very beginning. If you read in Genesis chapter 1, we see God doing almost this identical blessing to Adam, the first man. God created man in his image after his likeness. You remember that in Genesis chapter 1? 
elevation. He created Adam out of the dirt and the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into him and man became a living soul. I would call that elevation. He was dirt. He was a pile of sand. And then God elevated him into a human being. And not only elevated him into a human being, but made him in the like and shadow of who God is. An image of God there. Elevation. He tells Adam in Genesis 1 to fill the earth. To go out and fill the earth. Don't just stay where you're at. Go out. Fill the earth. Possess it. And the last thing he told man to do is subdue the earth. Go have dominion over the earth. He told him everything that breathes you have dominion over. Bird in the air. Fish in the water. And whatever is roaming through the ground. He tells Adam the blessing of Abraham before it's even introduced. Elevation, possession, dominion. If you read in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah finally lands the boat on the mountain after the flood had happened, he tells Noah almost the same exact thing. He calls him blessed. He tells him to go out and fill the earth, subdue it. We see when we study the scriptures that if there is a repeating pattern of some type and shadow, then it's something that should draw our attention to see the heart and the nature of God. He tells Adam, the first human, who he makes a covenant with. He tells Noah, who he also makes a covenant with. And then he tells Abram, who he also makes a covenant with, that you are elevated, you are a possessor, and you need to have dominion. So if he tells that to three different people at three different times, then it's something we should be paying attention to because we are seeing the heart of God, the pattern of God, and why you're made, why I'm made, and what we're made to do. And then years and years and years later, as Paul has this revelation, as Jesus is telling him things that he wants to tell the Gentile church, he could have told him anything, but one of the things that he tells them is to remind the Gentiles that they are blessed with the blessing of Abraham. So we see the pattern again. Adam, Noah, Abram, and now you and me. He is calling us in his desire is to elevate us, is to cause us to be possessors of this earth and to have dominion over this earth. Let's look at elevation. Blessed be Abram of God most high. That word most high in the Hebrew is called Elohim, E-L-Y-O-W-N, and it means elevation. That word means loftiness. That word means uppermost. When it says, blessed be Abraham of God most high, what he's saying is, blessed be Abram of God of elevation. The God of loftiness, the God of the uppermost. Blessed be Abram of the God of elevation. We've heard and seen this scripture before in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 4 through 7, and I want to show you the level of elevation that God wants to take you on. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in trespasses. So right there, that is our baseline. We were dead in trespasses. Just like Adam, we were a clump of mud, dirty, talks about in the scriptures how we were stuck in the miry clay, talks about in the scriptures how we were enemies, we were foreigners, we were strangers as Gentiles from God. We start as dead in our trespasses. But let's see God and how he wants to elevate us. Immediately, the first thing, he made us alive together. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of Christ. Just to remind you, by grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. God, being abundant God, doesn't just want to elevate you out of death. He raised us up together and made us sit together in earthly places, in churchly places, No, he elevated us even higher in heavenly places. And once again, to remind you that it's not you, it's not your works, in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. That in the ages to come, so he brought you from dead to alive. He brought you from earthly places to now sitting in heavenly places. You're not fighting. You're not striving. You're not sweating. You're sitting in those heavenly places. And that in the ages to come, he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness toward us. Once again, to remind you who did it and why you're receiving it is because of Jesus. Verse 8. Oh, no, do I end at verse 7? I'm sorry. His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So he elevates us from dead to alive, from striving to sitting. He elevates us from earthly to heavenly, and then he says, for ages to come, I'm going to continually show you and elevate you how much grace, how much mercy, how much love that I have for you for all of eternity. He's the God of most high. He's the God of elevation. The beginning of the blessing of Abraham of Christ is that Christ died for you so that you could experience elevation from your sin, from death, from hell, from the grave. And he brought you to places that you never would have experienced or achieved. There was no way that you could get to God on your own, especially being a Gentile. So God had to make a way. He had to elevate a way to get you there. You would have never achieved the salvation We wouldn't even be sitting here because we wouldn't even have had a church if we would have stayed and God would have said, well, let them figure it out on their own. I'm going to take care of my, my people. We wouldn't even be sitting in church. You wouldn't be even holding the Bible that you're holding if God, most high, the God of elevation, didn't make a way for us to walk boldly into his throne room of grace and mercy. But let's put ourselves in that blessing because ultimately it says that the blessing of Abraham is for us and it says, blessed is Abram of God most high. And once you're saved, that's now your title. I am no longer just Jeremiah Paul Land who is walking this earth. I am Jeremiah Paul Land of God most high. That is your name once you say yes to Christ. 
all of a sudden elevates my name, makes me stand up a little taller, knowing that I'm called by him, I'm loved by him, I'm restored by him, and he's given me a name, which is above every name, which is his name, his son's name, Jesus. But blessed are you, God most high, the God of elevation. Whether you like it or not, God wants to elevate you. He doesn't want you to stay where you're at in your life. We talk about this all the time. The scripture clearly shows us that we are to move from faith to faith. We are moving from glory to glory. I'm not supposed to go back. I'm not supposed to go from glory to sin to sin, back to glory. Oh, I'm supposed to go faith. I believe God. I believe God. Oh, something happened. I don't believe God. I don't believe God. Oh, I hope he shows up today. I hope his word is true today. No, 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 we're going from faith to faith. I'm standing on the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of God, and I will not be moved from this position, and the only position that I'm moving is elevated forward because of what God has done for me through his son. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed It's God's choice to bless you. It's not man's choice. God made the decision before you were even born, these words were penned that God has blessed us. Make it personal today. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And just in case you forgot that it's about you and you can do it and you can get those blessings, he reminds you it's because of Jesus in Christ. In Christ, the only reason I'm blessing you is because what my son did and because of the price and penalty that I put on him and what he did. And because he did it and anybody who believes on what he did, then I'll bless them. It says that he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Every, no if, ands, or buts, already been placed and given to you. And the only way to receive it is by simply believing. By faith. The scripture states that you are now blessed with every blessing in heaven. Today, believe in faith that you have been elevated into all that God has for you. You see, it says in this blessing of Abraham that he's Abraham, God, he's blessed as Abraham, God most high, and he's the possessor of heaven and earth. That word heaven doesn't just mean the sky. It actually means above the sky. It means to go higher than the sky. There's a saying that we've all heard that the sky's the limit. But no, 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 not as a Christian. The sky's not the limit because we're called to go higher than that. We're called to go to heaven, which means above the sky, which means that not only is the sky the limit, heaven is the limit. But you know what's in heaven? It's limitless in heaven. So therefore, if you can believe it, therefore you can receive it because God wants to elevate you above the sky. He wants to elevate you all the way into heaven. And heaven up there is limitless. It also means that you have in the heavenly places whatever is in heaven. Remember the scripture says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever's up in heaven needs to show up here on earth is my prayer. 
So if you're not seeing what's happening up in heaven right here, right now on your earth, then you need to start praying and having a conversation with God about seeing that. What's in heaven? If I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing that's in heaven, what's in heaven? Well, Jesus is there. God's there. There's angels there. It says that there's provision there. There's nobody sick in heaven. There's love in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no evil in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. So if you're having any of those problems, then I'm going to start praying and believing that what's in heaven needs to come down here in earth, and I'm going to elevate myself from what's on earth to being what it's like in heaven. Elevation. The sky is no longer the limit. I am going to heaven. And whatever's in heaven says that I am elevated to that, and I'm also a possessor of that. So right now you are blessed with all things that are in heaven. Let's look at the second thing, possession. Possession. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. God made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant. Way more important than just a promise. A binding, everlasting covenant between God and man. Between God and Abram. A covenant means whatever Abram owned, then God owned. It also means the reverse, that whatever Abram owned, that God also owned. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. And it says in this blessing that God is the possessor of heaven and earth. So therefore, Abram's also a possessor of heaven and earth. If whatever mine is yours, and whatever yours is mine, God says, well, I possess all of heaven, I possess all of earth. Abraham says, well, can I go ahead and get in on that? Because that's how the covenant works. If you read the story of Abram, it's interesting, he changes Abraham's name. He changed him from Abram to Abraham. God came to Abram and told him, you're no longer going to be called Abram, you're going to be called Abraham. Abraham should have gone to God and said, you're no longer going to be called God, I'm going to call you something else. How do you like that? Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. The problem is, if you've read the story of Abram, he had no children. His wife couldn't conceive. He had been promised, he had been told by God that he was going to be the father of many nations. And he didn't have one son to pass on just a simple generation to. As much stars are in the sky, as much sand is on the seashore... That's how many generations you're going to have. And he didn't have one son at this time. And then God showed up and said, hey, Abram, I want you to introduce yourself as Abraham going forward. He said, time out, God. Time out on this conversation. I'm already called the exalted father, and I have no children. Now you want me to introduce myself to everyone that I meet. Hi, my name is Abraham. You're the father 
to father nations? What did you say your name was? Well, it's Abram, the father of nations. Was exalted father, but now it's the father of nations. Oh, well, where's all your kids? You must have so many tents. Is your wife pregnant again? How many kids do we have? I don't have any kids yet, but God told me that my name is now Abraham, and I'm the father of many nations. Before Abram ever had possession of being the father of nations, all he had was a confession that he was the father of nations. Now, going forward, he had heard over and over and over again that God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of many nations. Abram says, I'm not seeing it. We're trying. Nothing's happening. There's no kids. God says, okay, we're going to change this now, and now you're going to quit just hearing what I'm saying, and you're going to start speaking it. You're going to start telling people and introducing yourself as the father of nations, and you're going to possess it now. He says, okay. It would have made sense if he would have just had one kid. If God would have just, after he had one kid, he would have changed his name. That would have been helpful. That would have been so embarrassing. So you're telling me that your God, the most high God, the best God, the one and only God, told you that you're going to be the father of many nations, but your God's not good enough to help you have a baby? It would have made perfect sense if he would have just, if God would have given him one kid to help him. The problem is that you can't reason with faith. Faith is frustratingly funny. Faith in God is not reasonable. It goes against every natural instinct. It's not careful. Faith isn't calculating. Faith isn't concerned. And it doesn't even consider your circumstance. Faith in God does not care about what's going on in your certain circumstance, situation, or season. Faith is so unreasonable. There's sickness in my body. There's no money in my bank account. I keep sinning. I keep dealing with these things, but yet faith tells me to keep believing in his word and that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is unreasonable. Faith in God makes no sense at all to keep standing and believing on something, even if you don't see your situation change, to be that stubborn and pig-headed to say, I'm going to keep fighting and believing that God's Word is better than my situation. I'm going to possess what God has for me. Even if I don't see it, I'm going to keep possessing it. I'm going to keep confessing it. I'm going to keep believing it over what's going on in my situation. Because God wants you to be a possessor. In Romans chapter 4, once again, talking about Abram, like I said, Paul can't get Abraham out of his mind and out of his theology. Romans chapter 4, verse 18, talking about Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, there is the key. Who? Not being weak in faith, something that we can all stand on, we can all believe in. When the waves of life are crashing on us, the boat is filling up, 
this is happening, that is happening, a lot of times the first thing we do is we get weak in our faith and say, well, where's God? What's he doing? Does he care? I went to church on Sunday and this is still happening. Like I said, my daughter has been sick over these last couple of days. And we have been standing on by Jesus' stripes. She is already healed. She was sick Wednesday. She was sick Friday. She was sick last night. That's my circumstance. That's my situation. That's what I'm looking by. But I'm not going to be weak in faith. I'm going to keep laying hands on my daughter. I'm going to keep speaking peace into her body, rest into her body, restoration into her body. I'm not going to let my faith weaken just because the circumstance appears to be keep getting worse. I'm going to keep believing that God's Word is stronger than my situation, not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of his womb. It takes two to tango. And he had to have faith not only for himself, but also his wife who was getting just as old. Verse 20, look at this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And how was he strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. Just because your circumstance is getting worse, just because your frustration level is rising, you cannot weaken your faith. You've got to keep giving glory to God. God is going to show up. He is going to make a way. He is going to make a way where there is no way. I am going to possess the blessing that God has for me. Even though my circumstance, my situation looks like there's curses all around me, the Bible says I am blessed and I'm going to possess it. By the end of it, and being fully convinced. Do you see the type of verbiage that Abraham had, the resolution that he had? He had heard God, he had heard God, now he's speaking what God has told him by saying his name, being fully convinced that what he had promised, not only is he willing to do it, he's also able to perform the promise. And therefore, look at it, it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed, therefore he received. He confessed, therefore he possessed. I know you all hate this scripture, but I'm going to keep throwing it in your face because it also applies to me as well. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And guess what? You're going to love whatever fruit you're about to eat. Abraham decided, I'm just not Abram. If God told me I'm Abraham, I'm going to start confessing it. He started speaking life, not, over, not only over his body, but also his wife's body. You might be getting older, but boy, you, look, you keep looking younger. You keep looking prettier. Oh, your body is... Healed and whole in the name of Jesus. You're going to have a baby. You have a bunch of babies. We're going to be the father and mother of many nations. He might wake up in the morning and feel a crack in his back, slept wrong on his whatever pillow they had back in the day. And he woke up and he, oh, body's getting older. 
That's just another day for God to do a better miracle. We praise you, God. I thank you that my name is Abraham. I am the father of many nations. I'm going to walk out at night, and I'm going to look at all the stars and the promises that you have for me, and I'm going to walk during the day, and I'm going to see all the sand on the seashore, and if I look up, I'm going to remember your promise, and if I'm having a bad day and I look down, I'm going to remember your promises as well because I'm going to keep confessing it until I possess it. And because he believed, because he confessed, he possessed it. And he had a son. And through that lineage came Jesus, who became the firstborn of many brethren. Look at this. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, the firstborn of many brethren who came all the way from Abraham's seed. And if you are Christ or in Christ, then you are who? Abraham's seed. And if you're Abraham's seed, then you're heirs according to the promise. If you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. You might not believe that God does miracles. You might not believe that God answers prayers. You might not believe that God is true to his word. But God said to Abram, Years and years and decades and centuries and however many years ago, you will be a father of many nations. And here it says that if you are in Christ, then you are a part of Abraham's seed, which means you are an answer to Abraham's prayers and you are a part of God's promise that he made. Every time someone says yes to Jesus, I feel like in heaven Jesus just walks over to Abraham and says, you got another one. You got another one. Great, 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 grandson, granddaughter. You got another one. I told you. I told you. Just keep believing. The father of many nations. So if you're in Christ, and that means you're Abraham's seed, you remember the covenant of Abraham? Whatever mine is yours, whatever yours is mine. Therefore, if Abraham, whatever Abraham has is God's, and whatever God has is Abram's, this says right here, whatever Abraham has is yours. So therefore, in the whole circle of life, whatever God has is yours. If God is the possessor of heaven and earth, and Abraham is the possessor of heaven and earth, and it says that we have full entitlement to the blessing of Abraham, then you have the possession of heaven and earth. It is yours for the taking. When we were back in Louisiana, we had a, a, a whole big bucket of Legos that my son was playing with, and they were some of mine and some of my brothers and stuff like that, and so we were picking them out, and uh, I was going through all these Legos and finally found like the first Lego set that I had as a kid. It was this little car. So I went and found, which might be the greatest invention ever done on the internet, uh, where you can find any Lego instruction on their website for free. And so instead of holding on to all of those papers uh, for all these Lego sets, you just have to find the name of the Lego, you put it in, and it pulls up the full thing of instructions. Greatest invention ever made, in my mind. And so outside of water, wheel, and fire, number four is Lego instructions on the internet. And so I was able to rebuild this car. And what my son didn't know at the time 
is that I possessed those Legos. Parents bought them for me, gave them to me. But now those are my son's Legos. He just automatically inherited and possessed them. And the only thing that he had to do is receive it. I made a little fire truck that I got back in like the early 90s. So he has a little Lego car, the original from like 89 or 90, and this little fire truck from 91 that were my original Legos that my parents bought and gave to me. And because he's my son, he freely gets these Legos. All he has to believe now is that they're his and possess them. There's nothing that he has to do. I didn't ask him to give me 20 bucks out of his bank. I didn't ask him to give me some of his Pokemon cards from his, his room. I didn't ask him to give me other Legos. Because he is my son, he instantly becomes a possessor of the same thing that I have. And I just freely give it to him. Because you are the son of the Most High God, he just freely is willing to give you whatever you ask. Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty two says simply, have faith in God. And if you keep reading, Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I say to you, whatever things. But what about, what about this? Are you sure it means that? Are you sure? Whatever things you ask, whatever, you get to decide whatever, what whatever looks like. You ask when you pray. What's the importance? Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Other words, you will possess them. And the last one we have as we're finishing up, the third part of this blessing of Abraham is dominion. Dominion. Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. The last part of the blessing of Abraham is dominion. If you read earlier on in this passage, Genesis 14, I encourage you to. There were five kings who went to war with four kings. And these five kings fought these four kings, and the four kings beat the five kings. Just beat them down. So the four kings decided that they were going to take all the spoils of the five kings, all the women, all the children, all the gold, all the animals, all the people, and take the spoils since they just beat the five kings. What happened was they didn't know that in that whole group of spoils was Abraham's nephew called Lot and his family. And so somebody who was friends with Abraham, if you read the story, goes to him and tells him they took Lot and they took Lot's possessions. Abraham, knowing that he has a covenant with God, and God already told him, whoever you bless is going to be blessed, and whoever blesses you will be blessed, and whoever you curse or whoever curses you will be cursed. He knows that God is on his side. He knows that he already has the victory, and he says, let's go and get Lot back because God is on my side. It doesn't matter how many kings I'm going to be against, God's going to provide and take care of me. Genesis chapter 14, verse 14, we pick up in this story. Now, when Abram heard that his brother, or Lot, his nephew, was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants. Once again, time out to this story. He is going, so four kings just 
battled and defeated five kings. Now, we're just not talking about four guys with crowns and a sword. We're talking about behind these kings is limitless numbers of armies. And these four kings with their armies and all their spoils just defeated five kings and their armies. And they have run away four kings and all of their armies. And Abraham says, let's go. We got to go get my nephew back. Count them up. How many we got? 300. It doesn't say 318,000. I want to reaffirm to you that that number is correct. And it says 318 not trained warriors, trained servants. Boy, what a team we got here, Abram, who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Look at verse 15. He divided his forces. Wait a second. So we have 318 soldiers slash servants who are going up against four kings and their armies. And Abram gets this great mind. He's not a general. He's not a, he's not a warrior. He gets the idea, we're going to divide up our troops and we're going to go after these kings. So if you divide 318 by four kings and armies, you come up with like 79.5. So he sent 80 of his trained servants. You go 80 to that king. You go 80 to that king. You go 80 to that king. And you group of 80, guess what? You get to go to that king. Divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Look at verse 16. So he brought back he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. Verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of that fellow right there and the kings who were with him. Verse 18, and then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and we instantly go into our passage of the blessing of Abraham. Brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High. And instantly pronounces a blessing over him. Elevation, possession, and dominion. Because Abraham knew that he had a covenant with God. And although he had 318 trained servants with him, he knew that his partner God had a full army of heaven. Had a full... I don't even know how to explain the amount of angels that he had with him. He says, I bring in what I have, and God, you're going to bring what you have, and we're going to go get my back. We're going to go get my possessions back. We're going to go get what's rightfully mine. And with 318 people, because Abraham was blessed of God, he was already in a position of victory before he ever even went out to war. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Two scriptures left, and I'm done. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You remember in John chapter 3, where Nicodemus comes and asks how to be born again. And when you believe on Jesus Christ, you are born again, so therefore you are born of God. And it says, if you're born of God, you overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. How are you going to overcome the world? Faith. Faith, 
faith, faith. Believe, believe, believe. Dominion. You already have been given. God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. No matter what situation you're currently in, what situation you're coming in tomorrow, you already have the victory because you're already believing that God is on your side and he's already given you the faith. God did not create you to lose. God created you to be blessed and in everything that you do, win. There's a famous Marine by the name of Chesty Puller. And one of the famous statements that he made when he was in battle, he called in and he said, the enemy is in front of us, the enemy is behind us, the enemy is on both sides of us, they're all around, but they can't get away from us now. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, <clears throat> you understand that you have the victory. The devil and the world can be all around you. They can be attacking from all different sides, but it just sets you up for the perfect time for God to reveal his dominion and his victory over the world and the earth. The last scripture I have, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. We'll just look at the first section. Simply, Paul writes to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. If I can encourage you to do anything today, is fight the good fight of faith. Keep believing Keep standing. Keep going after the scriptures and the things that God has told you to do. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't doubt God. Keep fighting. Keep, keep pursuing. They might be all around you, but they can't get away because God is on your side. The blessing of Abraham has been bestowed upon you. Through Jesus' blood, the blessing of Abraham has been placed on you. And the only way to receive it is to believe it by faith. You have now been read the will after the death of Christ and the benefits and the blessings you receive because of his death. You have been elevated to a new position. No longer just your name alone, but you are now, as me, Jeremiah of the Most High God. You are the possessor of all things in heaven and earth. So now's the time to confess and believe in faith and receive those things. And the last thing, you have been blessed with dominion over everything. That includes sin, dominion over the devil, dominion over trouble, dominion over whatever is coming against you. God has elevated you. He has called you to be a possessor, and he has called you to have dominion over everything in this life. The blessing of Abraham is upon you today. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us the blessing of Abraham. And that the only way we were given it is because of your son shedding his blood for us, us Gentiles, who were foreigners, who were strangers, who were enemies, who were all these things. But now in Christ, we are sons of the, of the God most high, the God of elevation. Father, I thank you that you are elevating everyone here today. You're bringing them out of their sin. You're bringing them out of their struggle. You're bringing them out of their insecurities. You're bringing them out of their sickness. You're bringing them out of their insecurities. You're bringing them out of their depression. You're bringing them out of anything and everything that's holding them back from being exactly what you've called them to be. Father, I thank you that you have called them to be possessors that they will start confessing the goodness of God. They will start confessing what is in your word so that they can possess what's in your word. 
that they will see your hand move in their life. And Father, I thank you that you've given each and every person here dominion. You've given them the name of your son, Jesus. And at that name, everything must bow. Everything must flee. Everything must be restored to its original intent. When we use the name of Jesus, I will dominate the devil. I will have dominion over any type of sin, sickness, or struggle that I'm going through. I will not stay where I am because the blessing of Abraham has been bestowed upon me. And if Jesus had to die for it, for it to come to me, then Father, let me believe that I can obtain it, use it, and walk in it from this moment forward. Father, I thank you right now that everyone here has the mind of Christ. Everyone here is healed and whole by the stripes of Jesus. Everyone here, everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. Everyone here can go out and diffuse the fragrance and the knowledge of Christ everywhere they go. Everyone here has the favor of God that surrounds them like a shield. Everyone here is being elevated today, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Everyone here is going to go out and possess what you have for them. And we will dominate anything that tries to come against us. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.